0: everyone and welcome to the first episode of the vorries at work podcast i'm jackie ford i'm a partner in the labor and employment group at vorries and your host for vorries at work our topic for today will be what i think of as the me too backlash some of the unintended consequences of the me too movement and its focus on workplace sexual harassment and some things that you can do to help prevent your organization from getting caught in those particular crosshairs. But before we get into that discussion of Me Too, let me give you a little bit of an introduction to our podcast itself. The Voorhees at Work podcast is about work, or more specifically, the law of work. Over this podcast series, We'll provide you with timely, informative, and hopefully thought-provoking updates on legal issues that matter to you and your organization. We want to help you think strategically about employment law, and about what you as HR professionals and legal counsel can do to comply with those laws, protect your business, and leverage the talent in your organization. Most of our podcast episodes will be conversations. We'll have experts from across the Voorhees firm talking about different areas of the law that we think will be of interest to you. But we'll also have some episodes where we talk to outside guests to share their perspective on what their organizations have done and what the rest of us can learn about creative ways to meet some of the challenges of various employment laws. But in this first episode, I'll be a solo act. And our topic for today is what I've been referring to as this Me Too backlash. Now, of course, we all know what Me Too was and is, and I think it's fair to say it's probably been the number one issue for HR and uh, HR professionals and their legal counsel to deal with in the last two years or so. But as we get into 2019, what I think we ought to also be thinking about is the backlash to that because, as many legal issues as the surge in Me Too claims uh, has produced, the backlash to all that could be just as important to understand and prevent and uh, think about in terms of protecting your organization. So, first, let's talk a little bit about Me Too. When I refer to Me Too in this conversation, I'm just talking about accusations by women of work-related sexual misconduct by men. Um, As you probably all know, Title VII, uh, which is the federal law, and similar state laws prohibit sexual harassment of anyone, by anyone, regardless of gender. So it's not just preventing harassment of women by men. But for today's discussion and, and when I talk about Me Too today, what I'm talking about is that specific paradigm of women alleging harassment by men. So the laws prohibiting that type of harassment have actually been on the books for over 40 years. Uh, And sex discrimination itself has been outlawed for over 50 years as a result of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and yet the problem persists. And as I said, in the last couple of years, the Me Too movement has put an enormous spotlight on it. Now, on the legal side, we've certainly seen an uptick in claims. Uh, The EEOC reports that for fiscal year 2018, they filed 41 sexual harassment lawsuits around the country. That's a 50% increase over uh, just the year before. In addition to that, sexual harassment charges filed with the EEOC are also way up 12% uh, year-to-year, just from 2017 to 2018. And here in the Employment Law Group at Voris, of course, we've been helping clients deal with that issue. But I've referred now a couple of times to backlash from all that. What does that mean? There seems to be, at least in some quarters, uh, among men in positions of authority, a sense that they need to protect themselves from these claims. And that, of course, makes perfect sense. And that they need to also protect against even the appearance of impropriety, which, again, sort of makes sense. But unfortunately, some of those efforts seem to be taking the form of replacing one kind of legal exposure with a second kind of legal exposure. And in some cases, those efforts to avoid harassment claims have included various forms of sex discrimination. And and here's what I mean by that. Here's an example. There was a recent article in Bloomberg News, the title of which was Wall Street Rule for the Me Too Era. Avoid Women at All Costs, Um, and we'll have a link to this article if you'd like to uh, give it a read. Um, You can find that on our page for the podcast. But as the title of that article suggests, some men in the business world apparently have decided that the best way to avoid legal claims by women is to avoid women. The article claims to be based on interviews with 30 executives in various areas in the world of finance, and it quotes those executives saying they have a lot of strategies for avoiding Me Too claims. They do things like don't meet one-on-one with women in the office. Don't sit next to them on a flight. Don't take them to lunch. Uh, In general, don't spend time one-on-one with women, whether that's mentoring them, counseling them, talking to them, socializing with them. Now, As the Bloomberg article points out, that kind of strategy may be intended, again, to prevent any questions or appearance of impropriety, but unfortunately, it also has the result of isolating women from the male leaders they need to mentor them and help them develop their careers. So it's an ironic, unintended consequence of Me Too if it ends up actually worsening the opportunities for women in a workplace in something that could be deemed to be really straight-up sex discrimination. And it's not just this Bloomberg article. We've heard it anecdotally from lots of areas of business. There was a video last year that sort of went viral of the inspirational speaker Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker, um, talking about dozens of men he knew telling him, they would not hire attractive women for fear of Me Too claims. Now what people say they do and what they actually do may be two different things. We we'll just give you these couple of examples uh, from cases reported in the press to get you thinking about it. Could this be happening in your organization? Have you heard of these types of strategies? And if you have, what are some things you can do to step in, provide some education, have some dialogue, and help prevent prevent this from happening and protect your organization um, from these kinds of claims? So. What's the practical step here? What can you do to protect your organization from this kind of unintended consequence? The number one thing, of course, that you can do is training. But let's face it, some of the people interviewed for that Bloomberg article have to have gone to some sort of sexual harassment training over the years, and yet they still walked away with this type of a strategy. And according to a report from the EOC that came out in 2016, the disconnect, may not come exactly from a lack of training, but more from poor training. And in fact, poor training can actually be worse than no training at all. Think about that. The EEOC quotes some studies that conclude that while training is an essential component of an anti-harassment effort for an organization, it won't be effective if it's a standalone training if it isn't specific to the organization, if it focuses on sort of cartoonish examples of over-the-top bad behavior, and if it focuses on making people afraid. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Um, these claims can be coming for you, and there's nothing you can do you know, to stop this legal tsunami from, from coming at you and, and drowning you. So this is really a wake-up call for all of us take a look at your training programs and your policies. Do they fit together? Do they use realistic examples? Do they provide for some sort of dialogue and interactive component? Does someone who attends your training walk away simply scared? uh, Or do they walk away with a sense of an ongoing dialogue and awareness that they need to have? We here at VORES, of course, love to put training programs together, and we've done that, we think, very effectively for a wide variety of clients. If you're a multi-state employer, reach out to us and we'll help you make sure that, in addition to being substantively effective, your training programs also comply with any applicable state laws. So we're happy to help you do that. I hope you're thinking now about making sure that you're not solving one problem with a creation of a new problem when it comes to this MeToo backlash. Thank you all for listening. I hope you'll continue to listen to future episodes of the Voorhees at Work podcast. As I said, you can find a link to the Bloomberg article and the EEOC report uh, when you land on our page for the podcast. Um, Thank you for joining us. Look forward to future conversations. And now, let's get back to work.